Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. If you want to partner with us, or if you're interested in more information, head over to brave.church to find out more. There you'll see resources to help kids learn more about Jesus, discussion guides for this talk, as well as ways our Brave Compassion team is responding to needs in this season. To catch the full Brave release, including worship and other updates, check out this talk on YouTube. Now, thanks for joining us. We hope this talk helps you find and follow Jesus. Well, hey, welcome to Brave. My name is Samuel. My name is Darren. And we are co-lead pastors of Brave Church. Hey, thanks for joining us today. We wanted to address you together this week because, well, it's been a stressful week. And as your pastors, we care for all of you. We actually delayed the start of our Vision Sunday because we felt it was important to speak to the emotional climate of our country this week. Now, full disclosure, it's early Friday morning as we're filming. So for all we know, Kanye made a comeback. <laughs> you know, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, Independent, people of Earth, we love you all regardless of whoever you voted for. But maybe you celebrated and maybe you cried. Maybe you ate a lot. Anybody stress eating? Okay. But for many, it's felt like our country, our world, our future has hung in the balance as we waited for the results. Now, prior to and on Election Day, psychologists were saying that 67% of Americans were struggling with anxiety. The anxiety and the fear people are feeling is a serious concern. And it isn't just about who gets elected. It's all the things that we fear will happen based on the outcome. What will happen to the economy? Will my family get deported? Are racial tensions going to continue to escalate? When will the rioting and the violence stop? Whether you're following Jesus or not, you've probably felt anywhere from a little worried to very afraid at some point this last week. Now, we don't know who you voted for or what you're feeling right now, but we hope we can encourage you. So let's begin with an important question. What anchors your soul? See, many people come to Jesus for different reasons. Um, There might be a moment of crisis that brings you to your knees and humbles you and helps you see your need for something greater than yourself. In fact, just this last week during our day of prayer, I was able to pray with someone who had an incredible story of being humbled and brought to his knees just in the last few weeks. And it's led to revival in his life. Your story might be different though. You might have studied and learned and come to the conclusion that this really is a logical faith and that there's a lot of evidence that believing in Jesus is reasonable. Or maybe you were raised in a Christian home and it it stuck and it carried with you into adulthood. Regardless of the path that leads someone to the place where they call themselves a Christian, no matter what your journey might have been, belief in God still requires faith. In fact, as we follow Jesus from the first day to many days later, it never stops requiring faith. Faith is belief in what we cannot see. Faith is confidence that the ending will be good even when we see bad all around us. The shaking of our faith this year has been hard but necessary. In many ways, this moment is our challenge to see the truth about ourselves. So what does, in fact, anchor our souls? In the words of Rudyard Kipling from his famous poem, If, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same, 
Then he makes a series of these if statements, and at the end of his poem, he concludes, and this is what he says, and I'm paraphrasing, but basically he says, when you can do all of these things, you'll be prepared for anything you face. When you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters the same, in a spiritual sense, what this season is showing us is what it takes to keep the faith. And more than that, it's showing many what the true strength of their faith is. And it's from this place of honest assessment and humility, as we see the truth of ourselves and what our faith is made of, that we can grow and emerge with something stronger. For some, our faith is like this can with the label Christian. Maybe your life has had this label for a while, and then this year came along and this election came along and it popped the lid off the can and showed us what's inside. Maybe we found some fear. Maybe we found some cynicism. Maybe we found some greed. Maybe we found some self-righteousness. Maybe we found some jealousy. Maybe we found some denial. And maybe we found some anger. Now here's the problem of living our lives with just a label is when we accept the label of Christianity without adopting the beliefs, we miss out on the benefits. Let me say that again. When we accept the label of Christianity without adopting the beliefs, we miss out on the benefits. I wonder if you've been experiencing the benefits of faith in Jesus. Our beliefs should affect us deeply in the good times and the bad, when life is easy and when life is hard. Today's talk is titled Anchored by Belief. In John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Belief in Jesus is an anchor for our souls. I grew up going camping with my grandpa, and grandpa had this old green army tent that he had bought many years ago at this local G.I. Joe's surplus store. It was the biggest tent that I had ever seen, and it was made of this really thick, heavy canvas. It could sleep around 15 people. I mean, it was the size of your living room. And I remember helping put that tent up with Grandpa. The tent had four huge wooden poles for each corner and one big wooden pole in the center that had these black rod irons attached to it. So when you would push it up, it would expand like this giant umbrella. In addition, it had four tent stakes that were made of steel, and they were used to anchor each corner of the tent. When we would go camping, I could sometimes hear the wind howling at night, and sometimes it would would even be raining, but I never worried because I was inside this big, sturdy tent with my grandpa right beside me. That tent and my grandpa was all the shelter that I needed. When you have the right shelter, you feel secure, You can even enjoy the sounds of the storm outside because of the safety you know on the inside. Father God is described in Scripture as being our shelter in the storm. Every person who weathers the storms and the pains of life needs a set of anchors to keep the tent poles secure. Pain comes in many shapes and sizes, yet one thing is true for us all. It will come. And it may come in the form of an unwanted divorce, the death of a loved one, racism, disease, poverty, loneliness, anxiety, or lack of purpose. The thing that helps you through it all are the beliefs that anchor your life. Your belief system is strong and you will stand. If it's weak, the storm will prevail. Your belief system is your answer 
to the fundamental questions of life that we all have. Is anyone in control of the universe? Does, does life have meaning or purpose? Do I have value even when it seems like life is taking things away from me? Your belief system has nothing to do with your skin color, your appearance, your, your talents, or age. It has nothing to do with the outside of your tent. It has everything to do with what's holding you up on the inside. I never felt fear as a child inside that big tent with my grandpa next to me. How you view God will determine how you respond to the storms in your own life. Our beliefs shape our perspective. Our beliefs define our reality. Our beliefs are what anchors our soul. Today, we're going to look at three scriptures for an anchored life. Three scriptures for an anchored life. Philippians 3, verse 20. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. If you're taking notes, number one, the kingdom of God is bigger than our country. In times like these, we must re-anchor our minds, our emotions, our thoughts, and our beliefs to this truth. We are citizens of God's kingdom first, and the kingdom of God is bigger than our country. There has been no change in who God is and his heart for our world. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our purpose on earth, your purpose on earth, is not ultimately an allegiance to a political party. Don't get me wrong, there, there's a lot to be grateful for in America. However, our primary allegiance isn't to a flag, a state, or a country, it's to Jesus Christ. And our hope is not in a politician or any earthly government to save our world. In Isaiah chapter 9, it says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. There is only one Savior and one government that will last forever. And just like for a citizen of any country, there are benefits that come with our divine citizenship. We worship the King of Kings, who is more powerful than any earthly ruler. So if you've chosen the kingdom of heaven, what's next? What do you do? Jesus said in Matthew 6, seek first God's kingdom. And all these other things will be added to you as well. Jesus is saying to you and I, God will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your main concern. That's what anchors me. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. If we seek God's kingdom first on earth, God promises to meet our needs. Why are Christians filled with anxiety these days? Because we have filled our minds with news reports and political corruption. We have focused our lives around earthly leaders and their promises. It's time to come back to the promises of God. The aim of our lives is to worship God. Jesus told us to pray to our Heavenly Father, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are citizens of heaven. The kingdom of God is bigger than our country. The kingdom of God is God's people doing God's purpose on God's planet. You and I are to be light and salt in our nation. Now, let me be clear. That doesn't mean we don't engage in politics. We need more good people in politics. We need to be a force for good in all spheres of influence. 
But what we're talking about today is staying anchored as we vote and pray and work to see God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Some listening right now need to be reminded to go back to what anchors you. The Bible says we have a kingdom that nothing can destroy. So let us praise God, serving him with thankful hearts. God's kingdom is indestructible. It's unshakable and it's going to last forever. If you want to be on the winning side of history, I'll tell you what to do. Focus your attention on seeking first the kingdom of God. Make your life about what God is about. Number one, the kingdom of God is bigger than our country. Our next passage is from Luke 22, where Jesus was about to go to be beaten, tortured, and crucified to pay the price for the sins of the world. But just before his enemies would come for him, he prayed a very human prayer. In Luke 22, verse 42, it says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Number two, suffering isn't God's plan B. Suffering is central to the life of Christ. To say yes to following Jesus is to take up your cross. I get it. No one says, you know, I'd like to go through a lot of stuff so that I can be an example or an inspiration to other people. Suffering brings us face to face with how we, we really feel and what we really believe. You see, feelings and pain go together. We feel like suffering is unjust and unloving. We feel like suffering should not happen. It's something to pray away or avoid at all costs. We use whatever means at our disposal to avoid it. Eating right, exercise, meditation, yoga, nature, or God. We have a low view of suffering. It's like kind of like the rash that nobody wants. Where did that come from? Or how, how did I get it? Did, did you retrace your steps? Did you change your detergent? Did you go on a hike? Where did this rash come from? Suffering is something we don't like and we don't want. So when it comes to our lives and to our home, it's like this unwanted guest. We're hoping it will just leave soon and the sooner the better. And, and if it does go, great. We learn some things. We thank God it's over. I'm okay. God's okay. Life's okay again. But when it comes and it stays, it creates a lot of feelings. And it brings up questions about our faith, our formulas for life, and what should or should not happen to me. And if, if life is all about me, then this really sucks. The famous artist Norman Rockwell said, I painted life as I'd like it to be. Oftentimes, we take that same approach in our own faith. I want following Jesus to be as I'd like it to be. Many of us need a better theology of suffering. Suffering was central to Jesus' experience. He didn't just suffer on the cross. He suffered throughout his time here on earth. From the time he was born, there was a bounty on his head. His values and his beliefs put him in conflict with the culture that he lived in. But Jesus lived with a, a greater eternal purpose in mind. That's the only way he could pray, not my will, but yours be done. What on earth am I here for is a great question to answer before you experience pain and suffering. So that when you do, you have an anchor. You have someone to look to and trust in. I believe that faith grows through an accumulation of a trusting response in the midst of difficulty and pain. And the evidence that you have faith is trust. Maybe your breakthrough is that you learn how to trust God even when life doesn't go your way. Who I trust in makes all the difference. 
I can either invite Jesus into my pain or I can keep him at a distance. Suffering helps us to see beyond this world. So how do we do that practically? Right now, wherever you're watching from, join me for a moment and close your eyes. Just close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to visualize with me that Jesus is standing in front of you. Hopefully you're seeing a Jesus that looks more Middle Eastern than Brad Pitt. But but imagine with me that Jesus is right in front of you and he's waving to you and he's calling you towards him. And as he begins to call you towards him, he's walking towards a peaceful stream. As the psalmist says in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can you see it? Can you feel it? Can you hear the invitation to a deeper peace, to a life that is anchored by a good God? Number three, if our lives are anchored, if they're going to be anchored by beliefs in Jesus, then we must, number three, take God as a man of his word. I wonder if you believe in Jesus, but do you trust him? Do you trust him to be good even when things aren't going so good? Where do you look for truth? Do you take the words of Jesus as truth or the words of men and women who who don't even share your belief? This has nothing to do with what's outside of you. It has everything to do with what's holding you up from the inside. I wonder, is your heart weighed down? Are you laughing less than you once did? Do you see problems even in good things? Are you increasingly negative and critical? Do you assume things are only going to get worse? Luke, the writer of the third gospel, one of the stories of Jesus, he said, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with the anxieties of life. Dr. Chris Thurman, one of the best known psychologists in America, he said, truth is the roadmap for negotiating the difficult challenges of life. Without it, we get lost and we develop emotional problems that tell us that we're lost. Truth is the only road to emotional health. Jesus said in John 8, 32, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. To giving your life over to fear can lead to many unhealthy outcomes. Distorted thinking turns reality into something that it isn't. When we make our feelings equal to facts, we become very vulnerable. That's where our fears begin to guide our lives. This is brave church, by the way. We are not about fear. Just because you feel something to be true, that does not mean that it's true. So we're we're not going to let feelings define our future. We're not going to let feelings tell us what is fact. Our culture worships feelings. We think because we feel something that it must be true. Now listen, I'm not saying that we should ignore our feelings. We need to take our feelings into consideration, but we cannot afford to let them lead our lives. More importantly, we cannot let them define how we see God. King David, who wrote most of the Psalms, he often told his soul, told his mind, his heart, his emotions to magnify the Lord. What does it mean to magnify something? 
It means to focus on it, to worship it until it becomes bigger. When we take God at his word, fear is vanquished. You've probably heard preachers say things like faith over fear or or faith is greater than fear. And maybe you hear that this week and through all the ups and downs, it it just sounds, it just feels a little cliche. Here's the thing. It's not cliche if you believe it. It's not cliche to have faith over fear if your God is greater than your fears. Is your God greater than the things you fear? Is he greater than what's worrying you? Is he strong enough to anchor your soul? How big is your God? My my daughter Mia, she's 21 months old. She's almost two and she's acting more and more like a toddler every day. And she talks nonstop. She wants to explore everything. She has opinions already. She's already thinking that she knows it all and no is her favorite word. Well, she's still so dependent on us for everything. And this becomes so immediately clear in moments of pain or when she doesn't get her way. Um, one of the things that, that she's really into lately is playing chef. Um, she's got this little chef hat and an apron. And well, the other day she was cooking with a friend of ours and our, our friend told her not to touch the stove because it's hot. Well, she, she turned around for one second and what did Mia do? She touched it. Um, I was upstairs, but I heard her crying so loud. And then she started asking, for dada. Whenever she gets hurt, she asks for dada. It's as if she thinks, well, you know, dada, I mean, he helps me with everything. Um, he, he can do anything, right? So surely he can help me when it hurts. So, so I held her and I, and I prayed with her and I, I calmed her down and she kept explaining to me that it hurt over and over again. Like she couldn't understand why the burning kept hurting. In Matthew 18, 3, Jesus says, truly I say to you, Unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. He says this because belief in Jesus requires a childlike faith. To live in this kingdom, we must see our dependence on God like little children who look to their parents. An anchored life looks to God our Father and says, You're there for me. I can trust you. Your love never fails me. I wonder... If you're watching today and you're ready to begin a relationship with your Father God, to anchor your soul in a deep belief so strong and so true that it will never let you down. If you'd bow your heads and join me, we're going to end our time together with a prayer. And if you feel that faith rising up within you and you want to pray a prayer for the first time, if you want to ask God to be your Savior, to be the Lord of your life, if you want to pledge your allegiance, your whole heart to Him, I want to ask you to repeat this prayer and you can repeat it out loud from wherever you are or you can repeat it in your heart from within. But let's pray this. Dear God, I have sinned. I I, I have sinned, I have fallen short, and I I need you. I need the salvation that only you can offer. I need the life of God inside of me. I need your, your blood that was shed on the cross to cover over my life, to cover over my sins. I need you because I am not enough without you. God, I want to begin to live for your purposes for this life, for this world. I want to do the work. I want to help those that cannot help themselves. God, I want to help those that that are lost without you. I want to be a light that points to you in all spheres of my influence, God. God, today I boldly declare that you, you are Lord and that you alone are King. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hey, if you prayed that prayer today for the first time, uh, we want to follow up with you. We would love to connect with you further. I just want to ask you, go to brave.church forward slash follow Jesus. We love you, Brave Church. Thanks for joining us for the Brave Church Podcast. If this ministry is impacting you, please consider giving to support what God is doing through our church. For questions or to get connected, please visit brave.church. We'll see you next week.